How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 12 of the Shy Town Podcast. And this episode is just going to be me. We're finally, Thomas and I are finally back on a schedule. Um, we apologize for the extended holiday break. We we're both super busy. Uh, but we're going to try to get back to our three three episodes a week. Uh, it's mostly just going to be me for about the next week or so. Thomas got his tonsils removed. So it's just me. Um, in this episode, we're just gonna—I'm just gonna do an overall recap. So I'm gonna talk Bears, Cubs, Blackhawks. Next week, I'll talk um, a little bit of Bulls. I, I think we're gonna try to have uh, Frank on the pod. So he was on uh, one of the previous episodes, and he knows a lot about the Bulls. So I think that's the plan right now. Is uh, it's just gonna be me for a little bit till Thomas heals up, and then get Frank on for the Bulls. And today, a lot of stuff happened while uh, we weren't recording. So I'm going to start with the Bears. Obviously, some old news here. Uh, Bears lose again in Green Bay. And what else is new, really? Lose 17 to 9. The score is kind of deceiving that we're never really in it. Um, the defense did their thing. Tyreek Stevenson's a baller. That's all I have to say about that. That's that sh he should be the defensive rookie of the year. Um, there's always, for whatever reason, the media hates the Bears, though, so I doubt that happens. But he should be the defensive rookie of the year. Um, we need to talk about it, though. Justin Fields, in arguably the biggest game of his career, played very poorly. If 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 I was giving him a grade, I would give him a D. For this performance 11 for 16 for 148 yards no interceptions five sacks <clears throat> rushed eight times for 27 yards i mean you're fighting for your job right he's fighting for his job right now and i if i'm ryan poles i i don't see how you how you can't leave this this draft without a quarterback I mean, this isn't going to cut it. And I love Justin Fields. I know Tom and I have said, hey, we're not big Fields fans. Thomas and I were at the Atlanta game where he was 20 for 32, 268 yards with a touchdown and rushed for 45 yards in the touchdown. But, I, I mean, against the Cardinals, 100, I mean, the, the whole season this year, 2,500 yards, in five and eight as a starter. 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. And you can say, well, he's rushing the ball well. He's rushing it okay. This year, 657 yards, nothing close to what he was last year. Yes, two less games, but it's just I, I don't think it's going to work out with Fields here, unfortunately. But Caleb Williams, maybe, fingers crossed. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, Caleb Williams is looking like, I think that's just got to be the pick personally. Um, but who knows? Let's go on to the big news of the week is that coaching news, Matt Eberflus is staying the head coach for at least the 2024 season for the Chicago Bears. Luke Getze and I think everyone except the offensive line coach is is gone. He's got they got fired. So 
we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll talk about some some offensive coordinator candidates in a second. Personally, I would have I would have just fired everyone. Um, I guess Eberflus he did he did, I mean if we're being realistic he did have a big improvement from last year's three win team. This year was a seven win team, but I I just think at some point you have to line up a head coach. If you have to line up your head coach, and then if you're taking a quarterback, you have to line up, line all of that up. And we've see, we saw it with Trubisky, we saw it with Fields. I mean, it's it's a reoccurring theme here, and it's it's not working. It's not working. That's the biggest thing. Is it's not working. So we'll see what happens, and we'll talk about um, some potential offensive coordinators here we know that they've interviewed two two offensive coordinators we know they've interviewed uh shane waldron wall i think i'm pronouncing that correctly and clint kubiak shane waldron is the offensive coordinator for the seattle seahawks and he played a big part in in reviving geno smith's career and and really kind of putting the Seahawks back back on the map after trading uh, Russell Wilson. So I, I really like that interview. And then the other interview is Clint Kubiak, who is the passing game coach of the San Francisco 49ers. And I think this would be a home run too. Um, I'd be fine with either one of these, really. I think it's... It's super important to bring someone in who's going to, I mean, we thought it was Luke Getze. I remember uh, when he was hired, everyone was scared. Oh, my goodness, we got a defensive head coach. Now, if, if Fields lights it up and the offense lights it up, then uh, our offensive coordinator is going to leave. And, I mean, yeah, but th there's also the other side, which we we got, is Luke Getze was terrible. Offense was terrible. Justin Fields wasn't that great. And now we're doing this over again. I'd be fine with either of these two guys. They're the only two that have been that have come out that the Bears have uh contacted. But I don't I don't know um if if it's gonna play. I hope it plays out differently than what it did. I do think it would be better with a new quarterback. I, I I can't I can't see Fields succeeding in now a third system. I just don't think I do not think something like that is going to happen. But we'll see. Um, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, before we get to starting talking about the draft, I do want to point out Caleb Williams has not declared for the draft. I assume that he's going to declare. Um, but, I mean, you never know, really. Really, it's, you never know. You hope he declares. I think he will. I believe Fields declared on the last day. The deadline's January 15th. I believe Fields declared on the last day. Caleb Williams has done a bunch of things differently. Um, 
So I could, I'm not worried that he's not going to declare. He's going to go top three. And that's just a lot of money to pass up for an extra $4 million or whatever he gets from um, his NIL deal. So I'm not too worried about it. And one big guy that did declare already is Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, he's the only like major Ohio State player that did declare like Abuka, he went back. The running back Henderson, he also he went back. Uh, Ohio State kept a lot of their guys, and they're they're going to be a solid team next year. But Marvin Harrison Jr. did declare for the NFL draft, so uh, I don't know if he's a Bears target. Uh, I mean, obviously he should be a Bears target if they don't go with a quarterback and they trade back with, let's say, a Commanders or a Patriots. But I. If I had to guess right now, I would say that Caleb Williams will be a bear in April. That's what I think they should do. That's what I want them to do. I think if they were going to stick with Fields, um, they would have came out and said, we're sticking with them and giving them that vote of confidence. From listening to Ryan Poles and and Kevin Warren's press conferences, I really I haven't gotten that vibe from them like at all. So obviously we'll see what happens. A lot can change. There's still interviews. There's still the combine. A bunch of other things can happen from now and the draft. But I do think that um, the Bears will be taking a quarterback at one, whether it's Caleb Williams or if Drake May impresses. I'd be I'd be perfectly fine with either of them. My preference is Caleb Williams, but I have them as almost like a 1A. This is going to sound weird. 1A, like 2A, where I don't want to say 1B because I don't view them the same way as like a prospect. I do think Caleb Williams is uh, a tier above uh, Drake May. But um, I think one of those two will be in the Chicago Bears uniform at the beginning of next season. So, I think that's all we got for the Bears. Let's talk about the Cubs, because they actually did something. This was another reason that we were not able to do podcasts, was because there was nothing to talk about. We could talk about the Bears winning meaningless games, since they choked the Cleveland game. Uh, we could talk about the Bulls finally doing something, but we'll be, doing about, we'll be talking about that next week. And then the, the Blackhawks have been terrible. So the only good team in Chicago right now is the Cubs. And they, up until the middle of last week, or I'm sorry, the beginning of this week, if you went and bought a pack of gum at the gas station, you have spent more money than the Cubs had spent on their major league ball club. Finally, Hoyer wakes up from his hibernation in the middle of winter and the Cubs sign Shota Imanaga for four years, $53 million. There is an option, I believe, at the for a fifth year, and it'll bump it to five years, $80 million. And I really think this is a, this is a good signing for the Cubs. I was surprised that he signed for that little. Um, 
there were reports saying he wanted five years, a hundred million. And I was like, I was disappointed because I was like, I don't think the Cubs are going to, are going to do that. But they get him on a bargain of a deal, four years, $53 million. Really, really surprising. Um, and I'm on fan graphs right now looking at his zips projection for 2024. And they have him going eight and five with an ERA of 3.55 with 25 games started, 137 innings pitched with 146 strikeouts. If we look under the hood a little bit, that's a 9.6 strikeouts per nine. He has a, they have a projection of 2.6 walks per nine, one home run per nine, a 7% walk rate, a 26% strikeout rate. I have a BABIP of 301, ERA plus of 117, a FIP of 3.55, and a 2.9 war, which at that price tag, I think is a um, really nice get for the Cubs. And I think that he's probably going to slot in right now as their number two, maybe maybe number three um just looking here obviously the offseason isn't over so hopefully they add add another pitcher because right if if the season started today it'd be steel imanaga tyone hendricks and jordan wicks which i mean that's that's a solid rotation i don't think it's uh a world series caliber like rotation I do think you you need to go out and get one more, maybe. Kind of have have uh, Wicks be your your swing man, where he pitches every sixth day. If they wanted to do a six man rotation, or it's always nice just to have depth. I don't know. Maybe you sign a, a lower tier free agent, or the. I mean, the hot topic has been the Cubs have been in on Shane Bieber trading for Shane Bieber. And that probably becomes a little clearer now since he he his arbitration case was settled. Um, I'm not I'm not sure where your ex, uh, your other starting pitcher is going to come from, but I do think they need to sign at least one more. And we'll see what happens. Cubs convention this weekend. Shout out to everyone who's at Cubs convention. Thomas and I unfortunately can't go to Cubs convention. Thomas had his surgery, and I'm in Arizona again. We are back at school, so we unfortunately were unable to attend. But shout out to everyone at Cubs Convention, and hopefully there's a new face not named Shota Minaga or who the Cubs have just traded for. The Cubs trade... Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope for Michael Bush and Yancy Almonte. Initial reaction to this trade was why? I didn't get it. I, I mean, I did get it, but I felt like the Cubs were on the losing end of this trade. And I also felt like I would not have given up on Jackson Ferris. I, I if I had to rank the the starting pitching prospects in the Cubs system, he's right behind Kate Horton. I thought very highly of him now, and I thought really, really highly of him when when they drafted him. Zaire Hope 
it sucks to lose him. He's a really solid outfielder, but it's, if it, I mean, there's a reason there's almost a hundred prospects in the system. Not everyone's going to make the major league roster. They do get Yancy Almonte, who is a interesting reliever. Very bad last year. Not very bad, but down near last year, two years ago, elite reliever. He's kind of following like a, the San Francisco Giants where the even years he's really good and the odd years he's not so good. And then the key piece in this deal is Michael Bush, top 50 prospect, been blocked in L.A. forever now since they drafted him in 2019. 26 years old. This, he's listed as a third baseman on fan graphs. I'm pretty sure he's probably going to play first, uh, but he can move around around the diamond. And I mean, he needs to hit. He needs to hit because, like I said, that this was an extremely high price tag. And I really do think that he needs to be able to hit and hit for power, especially the, the left-handed bat was big because they needed that. I still think they need one more left-handed bat. Um, we'll see. Uh, his zips projection has him at uh, one second here. 22 home runs with 75 RBIs. They do have him striking out a good chunk, 148 strikeouts. And they have him as a 248 hitter with an OBP of 333 and a slug of 446. OPS plus of 111. So I could live with that. And a 2.5 war. We will see. It will certainly be be interesting to see how he performs. I'm hoping he can be a piece for the Cubs. I mean, I don't want to say post-hype prospect because last year in the minors, I think he had like 26 home runs and had OPS over 1,000. So the hype is real. Older, older side for a prospect. I do think the Cubs overpaid. Um, but sometimes that's what you got to do to get your guy, right? So we'll see what happens with that. Um, they, I think they need another lefty bat. I'd love to bring back Bellinger. There's reports they're still in on Chapman, Matt Chapman, uh, Jordan Montgomery. Not sure about that one anymore with Imanaga, Reese Hoskins, and Bellinger. I do think there's still a a big bat that they they're gonna get. Uh, I don't know who. I hope it's Bellinger. Um, but who knows, really? Uh, it just got to be Bellinger on the right price, right? Like I'm not trying to pay Bellinger 250 million over eight years. I think that's. I don't think that's very smart. Of course, I think I think the highest I go is two hundred million, and I think that's probably pushing it. But we'll see what they do. We'll see. I mean, there's still five weeks till spring training. I think we'll start to see the free agent market starting to pick up uh, a good chunk. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I, we said that after Otani, then we said that after Yamamoto, and it was dead. But we will see what happens with that. Um, we're hoping th there could be a surprise trade. There was a rumor going around. Christopher Morrell was supposed to be at Cubs convention. Then he's, they took him off the list and everyone's like, Oh, where's he getting traded to? It was just because of the weather. Um, because there's a blizzard in Chicago right now, but 
that would be especially now getting uh michael bush who like i said on zips is listed as a third baseman it would be it'd have to be a massive return if you're trading christopher morrell there's just too much potential there for like a shane bieber it'd have to be shane bieber emmanuel classe and somebody else probably to trade morrell um but We'll see. I don't know if there's going to be another. I don't think there's going to be a big trade like that. I think if they're going to, the, their next big move is probably going to be a Reese Hoskins or a Cody Bollinger type player. But Jed Jed works in the shadows. You never know what, what Jed's doing. So who knows? Who knows? Um, so I'm going to do, I guess, activity. Of what would a potential Cubs lineup look like if the season started tomorrow? I'm just going to go position by position. I'm not going to go who's hit. Actually, we know what we'll we'll do that. Who's hitting first? So we'll go. Who do I mean? Obviously, this this was I'm an idiot. Nico Horner playing second base and hitting first. Hitting second. Now this is a weird one because I want to put Hap. But I also want to put Hap at like six, if that makes any sense. I think I'm probably going to put Ian Hap second, though, just because I really like his on-base ability. And he'll obviously be in left field. So two gold glovers at the top. Hitting third, this is where I'm going to put Michael Bush. And playing first base. Hitting fourth, I think this is Seiya Suzuki's breakout year. I guess he had it at the at the second half last year. And I'm going to put him fourth playing right field. Fifth, I'm going to put Dansby Swanson. Obviously playing shortstop. So now we have... So we have the corner outfielders, the middle infield, and first base. At third, it, I think, actually, I'm going to put Christopher Morell as a DH. And he'll be batting swap Swanson and Morell, actually. So Morell's now hitting fifth, Swanson hitting sixth. Hitting seventh, and this is where the lineup starts to get weak a little bit. I'm going to put Jan Gomes catching. Then, so you need third base and center field left. I'm a big PCA guy, so I'm making sure that PCA makes the team, and I'm putting him at eighth in center field. And then at third, if I had to guess opening day against the Texas Rangers, Um, let me look. I'm pretty sure the Texas Rangers. Apologize if you can hear the typing in the background. I just want to double check. Spring training. Do, 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 do. Yes, so they're on the road. March 28th, they open the season against the Texas Rangers. I think I'm going to put Madrigal at nine. At third base. Now, hopefully, when um, 
the season does come around, we can swap PCA for Ballinger in center. Uh, it can push Bush to third, maybe, or Morrell to third, and then have a Patrick Wisdom as a DH. Who knows? My ideal lineup would be, I mean, this is what we have currently. So it'd be Nico leaning off, playing second. Ian Happ batting second, playing left field. Michael Bush batting third, playing first. Suzuki and right batting fourth. Morel fifth, being the DH. Swanson sixth, being the shortstop. Gomes batting seventh. Catching PCA in center, batting eighth. And then Nick Madrigal batting ninth at third. Um, it'd be nice to swap Morel with Madrigal and have a Reese Hoskins as your DH and then put PC on the bench at least to start the year and have Ballinger play center. That would be my ideal lineup. And I think that lineup probably gets you 88 to 90 wins. Uh, obviously Justin Steele starts the home or the opening day. So I think that would be my plan for the Cubs. Right now, if they did, made no more moves, I'd say this lineup with your pitching, maybe you – I guess you have Craig Consul too. Got to got to factor that in. I think they improved to 85 wins with this lineup because you lost a good chunk. Stroman just signed with the Yankees. I guess you kind of replaced that with Imanaga. But I, the big one is you have to find a bat to replace Bellinger. It could be Michael Bush. It could be. Um, I don't. I don't know if it will though. Like I like, but like I said, I, I think this marginally improves the team. You still need to have your big acquisitions offensively. So, will I mean, Bellinger, Hoskins, Chapman. I you need to get at least one of those guys. I, I'm in the boat that you might need to to really cement on paper that you are the front runner for the NL Central. That That is what I would do for the Cubs. Who knows what Jed's going to do, though. Talking some Blackhawks now. Boy, has it been a struggle watching some of these Chicago Blackhawks games. But then also, like last night, complete meltdown in the third period, the last two minutes. They probably should have won. But they did have a couple of nice wins. They beat the Flames. They beat the Avalanche in about the middle of December. Tough loss to the Canadians. Another meltdown against the Blues. That one was brutal. Bedard, Michigan. I know we talked about that a little bit. Um, it's speaking to Connor Bedard. Bad news on that front. Out six to eight weeks with a fractured jaw. He's going to miss the All-Star game. And it sucks because I, I I know a lot of people were only watching the Blackhawks to watch Connor Bedard. Which is a very valid reason. Like, that is a, a generational type player. So, it's tough. I mean... Probably looking middle of February to get Bedard back. So it's going to be a tough month and a half or so. Uh, tough watch. Hopefully it's closer to six weeks. He is only 18. 
Hopefully he heals a little faster. We'll see. Like I said, he was gonna miss. He's going to miss the All Star game, which sucks because he is. I believe I think he was the youngest All Star, youngest player to be voted in as an All Star. Um. So yeah, and like I said, the Hawks they've been in a tough stretch. They got another tough stretch coming up here. They get the Stars, then I guess they get the Sharks at home. So. That'll be a, a tank bowl. And then Sabres, they're fighting for their playoff lives. Islanders, same thing. Canucks are good. Really, everything's a tough stretch when you're the 31st team in the league. But time for some good news on the Blackhawks. Frank Nazar, Sam Renzel, Gavin Hayes, and Oliver Moore all win gold with the United States at the World Juniors. And... I don't know if Frank Nazar scored, but I know he had a lot of assists and advanced analytics said he was one of the top skaters in the whole tournament, which things are looking up for the Blackhawks. I know it's Bedard and then the rest of the cabinet is bare right now, but things are looking up for the Chicago Blackhawks. It's just patience. Patience is the biggest thing. You People need to stay patient. It's going to happen. Help is on the way. You're going to get another top five pick this year, along with probably a back end of the lottery with the Tampa pick. Everything's going to be fine. And speaking of the draft lottery, to wrap up this episode, it's only going to be about 30 minutes. Sorry. We'll be back on Monday. Um, I think I'm going to try and have Frank on on Monday, if not at least on Wednesday. Oh, I forgot Monday's a holiday. I'm going to try and get Frank on on Monday. If not, Frank will be on either Wednesday or next Friday. So we'll, there'll be more of a back and forth, and you won't have to listen to me talk for a whole 30 minutes straight. Uh, but let's get to the Tankathon spin to end this episode. Here we go. Thank you to Tankathon. And let's do it here. Let's say, I say, let's do three spins because I think we had two saved up from the last time. Spin number one. Wow, they dropped to four. That's probably Demidov or Iserman territory. I know Iserman's falling a lot. Reset it. Spin number two. There we go. Celebrini. They jump up one spot. Columbus jumps up as well in this scenario. Um, and Tampa stays at 12. So let's look at uh, the mock draft real quick. So obviously it's Celebrini. I don't think Eisenman's going to be at two. If I had to guess who goes two, it's Caden Lindstrom or or Levshinov. Um, I'm targeting more of an Adam Jaracek at 12 for the Blackhawks. He did just have a, a big injury, though, so we'll see what happens with that. I also really like Zeev. i definitely going to butcher his name. Bium Bum. I think he's a really solid prospect. Um, but I think if the Blackhawks are in that two or three range and they're not getting Celebrini, Lindstrom's got to be the guy. I, I think Lindstrom's probably going to go to uh, Tankathon needs to update this. Cole Eisenman's fallen to about six or seven. I just think Eisenman's too one-dimensional. 
it's it's uh I, I forgot who put it on Twitter, but the analogy was it's like you were playing my career on NHL and he put all his points into shooting and nothing else, but we'll see what happens with that. That's going to be it for today. Once again, apologies for the long break. Apologies for the short episode. When Once Thomas is feeling better, we'll be back to three podcasts a week. And we'll get that content out for you guys. Have a good one.